Oh, sorry. Hi, I enjoyed that. It's my wife. Um, Kim, Kim LaRocca, are you here? Kim, where are you? I know you're here. Would you come down? Sometimes I forget I'm a pastor. Kim? I kind of threw a kink in Darren's schedule this morning, so I'm sorry. I'm going to be brief. Um, happy Easter. Today has been 18 days since Matthew went home, and um, he won. And because of today, we have such hope and such joy and peace that I cannot describe. I have questioned my sanity a lot in the last two weeks because the peace that I've had, um, wondering if it's okay and normal, but God has taken care of us. And I know a lot of you gave through the church to help our family. And while I have a very big stack of thank you cards to get through, um, it's gonna take a little time, but a lot of you I don't know who blessed us. And um, for those of you that don't know us, our son battled a brain tumor for 17 months. And um, on April the 6th, very unexpectedly went home to be with the Lord. And um, we had not made final plans or arrangements. And um, so thank you to you all that helped us to be able to pay for his services. And um, just to be able to bless our family, the food, just everything from A to Z. I just want to thank you. And I think on behalf of us, Kim, thank you. To your family, to your kids, um, because you guys modeled Christ in a way that is uh, Olympic quality. Um, we truly were uh, inspired, and I, I think that not a single person here would argue when I say that uh, the Lord has... Um, inspired us, has uh, planted deeper in us, and, uh, and if you weren't a, a part of the celebration for Matt's homecoming, to, to know that that's a, a kind of moment that just forever changes all of us, and, and you're right. Uh, you know, the, the, the Bible speaks of this great cloud of witnesses that watches over us, like a, almost like a stadium event, and, uh, and I believe that Matt's watching us today, and watching us from every step on, until ultimately when we do come to the end of that race and the, the Lord, you know, Paul talks about a Bema seat where he'll be standing like at the end of a race to tell you how fast you went and how great you did. And I think in the stands right behind him will be Matt. So we're very excited about that. And yeah, we miss him like crazy and uh, it's gonna take some getting used to. But know this gang, that with the, the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and, and a thousand years is like a day. And, and sometimes on this side, you think that is true, man. Today felt like a thousand years long. But on his side, where he's at in eternity, it's, it's just like a, a snap of a finger, and we'll be there in his mind. So for us, this might feel like a thousand years, but to him, it's going to feel like a day, and we'll be there. So, so today is um, an exciting day for all of us, because it is Easter. I don't know if you guys grew up in churches where you had to do the Easter plays. Anybody ever actually have to be in one? How many, okay, this is going to be, maybe, I don't mean this is blasphemous, it's about to sound. How many, anybody here that actually had to get crucified at one? <laughs> we had plans, by the way. If you turn around, everybody look at Wren, Wren wave. We were going to crucify Wren, but he cut his hair. <laughs> and it blew the whole thing. 
we had this idea that we could, uh, behind us, if you notice our very fancy accommodations, we were going to have the kitchen ladies from the week burn some goulash so that some smoke could come out, right? And then we could have some effects, and then Ren could rise again from the cafeteria. But, but he cut his hair. I actually had a, a few uh, phone calls this week. If you've been around me for any length of time, you're, you're well, aware, well aware of one thing, and that is I have no idea what I'm doing. And... I'm on the phone with a couple of pastor buddies, and this one guy's like, oh, yeah, man, bro, we had, like, 70 people at my house last week, and leaders, and, we're, and we have, like, extra donuts, and we're going to, you know, do all this stuff. And they had, like, this, like, like almost like a, a NFL uh, coaches whiteboard up, giving, you're going to go here, and the usher's going to come around here, and plans, and they're going to do the cantata, and they're going to do, you know, he, for five minutes, he went on about what he was going to do. And he says, yeah, man, what are you guys going to do? I was like, uh... I wrote a sermon, and I was going to wear, like, you know, not, I wasn't going to wear shorts. I was going to wear, like, jeans. or I, 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 felt like, I felt like, wow, this is, um, this is pretty serious, right? And then, as I honestly, I kind of, it was kind of heavy on me for a couple of days. I'm thinking, man, I really uh, missed the boat on this one. Um, and then it hit me that, because, you know, what's happening, and, and, and be careful not to hear what I'm not saying, okay? Don't hear what I'm not saying, which is I'm not saying that anybody that's doing a cantata, anybody that's been crucified in their church, whatever, I'm not saying that those are bad things in, in essence. I'm just saying that sometimes I think we treat Easter like it's the only shot we ever get, and that is just way too much pressure to put on ourselves. Our God is way too big for that. It is never anybody's one shot. Okay, we have a God that is way too infinite and way too big, and I, as I often do, I actually found some comfort in the scriptures because... Again, it's Thursday. It wasn't like we could put a play together. Well, I guess we could have, but, um, but we didn't. Um, but I was reminded of Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, when he said, and so it was, uh, let me go back up a little bit, actually. I'm going to go to chapter 1, verse 17. For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence. And you're right, hey, that's Darren. Lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. In verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. And then go to verse 21. He says, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased that through the foolishness, and the King James, I love it, through the foolishness of preaching, you're like, yeah, it's true. Sit here and put up with us every week. That through the foolishness of preaching, that they, those that would believe would be saved. And in verse 22, the Jews demanded signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And then in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved, I love this, to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Would you pray with me? Father, when we approach your word, we know that it is a supernatural communication from you to us. This is not an academic exercise. It's us encountering you in your word. And our prayer today on this Easter Sunday that you would be a lamp to our feet, a light for our path, and that whatever word you have for each individual one of us today, and it might be a different one, it probably is for every one of us, 
that we would hear it and that the enemy would not come and steal it and, and pick it away from us. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you've ever been on an international flight. I'm, I'm in a room full of transients, so I'm, I know a lot of you have, right? I mean, you've flown to Iraq and Afghanistan, and that's a long flight. And here's the thing. I don't know if you've noticed this before, and if you probably tried it, you probably would get tackled at some point. But if you're going from, say, here to, I don't know, we're going to fly to Togo, Africa, Joe. So if we're flying to Togo, Africa, we're going to take off. And if you and I were racing down the aisle, okay, as fast as we could, you get one, I'll get the other, before someone tackles us. The truth of the matter is, as fast as we ran, we would both still get to Togo at the same time. Even if we're doing it as we were landing, again, getting, before getting tackled, we would land at the same time. We could climb the walls inside of the plane, and yet we would still be going the exact same speed, arriving at the exact same place, because the plane is doing the work, not me, not you. And I think that sometimes we get kind of a little zealous in our salvation and the resurrection of Jesus and what God has called us to do, thinking that it was like some sort of an entry point, and now the rest of it is up to us. And in reality, you and I just boarded a plane. Some, some of you, maybe, if you've been a little older, you might remember a gospel song called Gospel Ship, right? I'm going to take a, a trip on that good old gospel ship. And, and you know that once you got on the ship, you can do whatever you want to in the boat. You're going to get there when everybody else gets there. You're going to get there when the boat gets there. And I think the truth that Paul is saying is the cross, Jesus crucified, resurrected. We just boarded a plane, the ride, grace, what Jesus did, that work. And the, we can work as hard as we want to. And we're still going to get there at the same time. And I think the truth is, is that we can actually just sit back and relax. There, yeah, there are activities that we can do while we're on the plane. If you've uh, or you're visiting this morning, you might have seen some, uh, I've seen, you might have seen some pictures. You might have, <laughs> wow, did I just go Nebraska on you. Um, you. You might have witnessed some photos <laughs> as you've come down the aisle. That's just pictures of the work that God has called us to do while we're on the plane, while we're on the ship. But working to try to get there faster, working to try to get there in better shape than someone else, all you're doing is making yourself tired. And Jesus said, my load was easy, my burden is light. And, and if there's any miracle of Easter that we can walk away with today knowing is that what he died and what he was raised again from was for us to have life, to have it more abundantly, and have it simply. Paul came by this quite honestly, by the way, when he said that I come to you not with you know, flowery speeches or excellent multimedia presentations. I just came to you with Jesus in him crucified, because if you're a, a student of scripture, you might know that before Paul got to Corinth, it was Acts chapter 17, and if you've been around, you know that we've been taking the scenic route through the book of Acts. We keep taking little detours, but we're on Acts 17, and it was there that Paul shows up in Athens, which would have been like the modern day uh, Berkeley, uh, San Francisco, uh, educated, philosophy, weird, all due respect to Berkeley people. Um, and Paul walked into town, and maybe he felt a little intimidated because he knew that it's the gospel. He said so in Romans. He said, this is the, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. But he walked into Athens, and it's philosophy, and it's poets, and it's art. And, and so Paul did something that is actually held up as 
if you've gone to seminary or uh, you've been around anybody that's, you know, written books, they seem to really like this thing that he did, which is he took the, the philosophy of the day. He quoted the poets. He brought in the government and talked about the unknown God. And he made a very culturally relevant sermon in Acts chapter 17. But look really close at what he didn't do. He, he alludes to the resurrection kind of once. But he doesn't mention Jesus Christ and him crucified and his love for them. And even though this is a great piece of poetic work, look to the end of Acts 17 and see that only a handful of people actually gave their lives to Christ. A few said, we'll come back later for maybe want to know more. But no church was established in Athens. That speech might have been awesome, but it was a failure. And so Paul, with that information on his mind, walked to the town of Corinth, the next place on his journey. And he said, look, I don't come to you with anything but Christ and him crucified, period. He spent 16 months there. And he said, that's what I spoke about for that entire time. A few years ago, I was um, asked to lead a Bible study for college kids and 20-somethings. And, and I thought, well, I, I'm going to do what all guys that do Bible studies for college kids and 20-somethings. And I got a little cool haircut and I didn't put the earring back in, but I thought, right? You know, and so, and I, I was like using like videos like with uh, Lincoln Park and movie clips and, and it was a fantastic failure. Until one day, I just opened the Bible and we just started in a book and we read that chapter and we studied that chapter. And the next week we went to the next chapter and studied that chapter and lo and behold, college kids and 20-somethings want to know about the Bible. You know, they didn't need the three D's of dating sermon that I had prepared. They wanted to know Jesus. Jesus said, I, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. When you approach the word, you're approaching Jesus. And again, it is, I don't mean any disrespect to other churches that are doing other things because they're actually doing great things. It's just, it's activities that you could do on the boat. But it doesn't mean you have to do it. It's when we become a slave to this thing that we have to do that it becomes this burden and it's heavy and ugh. And next thing you know, you're burning out. I come to you guys this not, with nothing this morning except for Christ and him crucified and resurrected. And here is the great news for you and for me. And that is that it is enough. It just is. If you're doubting his love for you, I mean, I could sit you down in a chair and, and we could, you know, role play and you could talk to me about daddy issues and pretend I'm, you're yelling at him and you know, you could do these things and, and they're cathartic and it's not like there's anything wrong with them. But at the end of the day, you could just go to Romans and see that Jesus said that he, Paul said that Jesus died for you when you were yet still a sinner. God loved you so much that when you were still a mess, it's like, guys, you know, the movie where which is, this is like every movie from the 80s, I think, but where the girl, she's got like her hair is all askew and got the big thick glasses and she dresses really homely and, and the guy, he doesn't love her the whole movie because he's chasing somebody else and, and at the end, the glasses come off, the hair comes down and all of a sudden she's smoking hot and then he falls in love with her. This is that movie with one notable exception. He fell in love with you and I when we still had the Coke bottom glasses on and the homely hair seeing what God could be in us, and he died for you even then. If you're doubting his love for you, you just have to go to the cross. Therapy, fine. But without Jesus, you're just running in place on a boat. Doubting his love for you. But maybe you're thinking, yeah, Darren, that's great. It's, he loves me a lot. I appreciate that. But 
my rent is due. His, his provision for me, I'm kind of doubting that right now. And again, you can freak yourself out. You could stay awake at night and keep in mind, I've been there. This week, <laughs> been there. Doubting, wondering God's provision for you. And I just needed to take it to the cross. That him that spared not his own son, Paul tells us, would he not give to you freely what you need? We got our kids an Xbox for Christmas. And I'm so grateful because we had a Wii before. Overrated, I'm just saying. Maybe it's because I'm not coordinated. I just can't do it. The Xbox dominates, right? Years in the music business, sitting in a back lounge, getting my rear end kicked by young guys. And now I'm finally pretty good. I actually want to go back in music just so I can see if I can take on some of these guys. But <laughs> in fairness, my five-year-old son can actually whip me at Halo. But, um, but if I'd got them the entire this Xbox and the games and the, you know, it's hooked up and Ethan pulls out the controller and there's no batteries in the controller. And he's like, hey, uh, dad, I need batteries. Would I withhold, after I've spent all that money on that, would I just, for a $2 battery, would I say no? No, I'm going to give him what he needs. And in the picture of Jesus, he gave his son, huge. Your groceries, that's just batteries. Of course he's going to give that to you. He said, if I didn't spare my own son, would I not give you all things? Would I not give you what you need? Jesus said in, in the New Testament, he said that you being an earthly father know how to give good gifts to your son. In one of the versions of the story, he says, will I not give all who ask, will I not give you the Holy Spirit to all who ask. Whatever we're looking for, he's going to give us the batteries to figure out our way through it. Whether it's groceries, whether it's rent, his provision for you is provided for. And you think, Darren, I don't doubt that because my groceries have been taken care of. I don't necessarily doubt his provision as much as I've been asking for some stuff. And maybe you figured out that God has a, a couple of answers for your prayers. One is yes, one is no, and the other is not yet. And so maybe you're kind of doubting a little bit the decisions that he has made for you. And it's easy for me to kind of characterize this and say, or caricaturize it and say, ah, oh, the Ferrari, man, you know, you're not getting it. But sometimes it's not even that. A lot of times it's just, I just kind of wanted this job. I kind of wanted this girl or this guy. I wanted this relationship to work out. I, I wanted my career to go this path. And the decision that God made for me is not exactly the one that I was looking for. And it can get a little blurry, which at my age has actually taken on a whole new meaning. Have you ever noticed, like, especially when it's a little darker, I'm holding the iPhone out here now. I'm like, but it's a little blurry. And what we really need is some 20, 20 vision. Matthew 20, verse 20, where a little lady named Salome had come to worship Jesus. And she did what often we do when we come to worship Jesus, which is, oh, hey, well, I got your attention. I, I, I can, can you do this for me? And she looked to Jesus and she said, when you come into your kingdom, can my sons, James and John, can they sit on your right and on your left hand when they come into your kingdom? And Jesus looked at her and whatever his expression was, I don't know, but what he said was he didn't even answer the question. He asked her a question. Salome, can your sons drink of the cup that I'm going to drink from? 
Can they be baptized in the baptism that I'm going to be baptized with? You don't know what you're asking. And then just a few days later, Salome, the next time we see her in scripture, is at the foot of the cross. And she's kneeling down. And she would have been close enough to hear a thief say, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. And he said, today is that day that I'm coming into my kingdom. And yes, today you will be with me in paradise. It must have hit Salome like being punched in the nose. When she looked up and saw on Jesus' right and left hand on the day that he was coming into his kingdom, two thieves that were being crucified and thought, thank Jesus he didn't answer my prayer. He knew what was best for me, that that was the prayer I had. I want to be in your kingdom, and that was what was going to happen, and Jesus knew that. It wasn't what Salome wanted. And our prayers, whether it's for a job or a mate or a car, if God is saying no, understand it isn't because he's some cosmic buzzkill. It's because he knows. And in those moments where we're doubting his decisions, doubting the career path that maybe you've been put on, remember Matthew 20, 20. Remember Salome and her prayer and how grateful she was that in the end that that prayer wasn't answered in the way that she thought it was. It's remembering that. His provision, his decisions, his love. And maybe, maybe some of you are the kind of folks that, man, you haven't been to church in a while. And, and look, that's okay. You don't have to go to church to get to heaven. But maybe it's because you just feel like, I've just done some really stupid stuff. And, and maybe doubting God's forgiveness. And that's fair. I mean, you, you're right. I don't know what you've done. But Jesus does. And his forgiveness, whatever we got to do, we can take it to the cross. And know that Easter not only takes care of his, his, his provision and his decisions and his love, but it takes care of his forgiveness. Because as Jesus hung on the cross that day, it was prophesied in Psalm 22 that not a bone in his body would be broken. In Exodus 12, the, the Passover lamb, there was not a bone in their body to be broken. And Jesus didn't just not have a body in his bone broken to fulfill prophecy. Yeah, that was a part of it. But it was to paint a picture for us. Because you medical students out there, medical professions, or uh, people that are just a sucker for the learning channel, you know that where is blood manufactured in your body? In the bones. The picture that he was painting is remarkable. That there is not a break in the flow of his blood for you. Paul would say that where sin abounds, that grace that much more abounds. And he would say to you and to me that not a bone in his body was broken because that means that not a sin that you have committed cannot be covered. If there was a break, it might mean that there's an exception. Well, that's a big one. Oh, yeah, I didn't think of that one, God might say. And, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, we didn't, that one we didn't cover in the staff meeting. No, no, he's saying it's all covered because not a bone would be broken. And look, we could go on, and we're going to, by the way, not today, about the other things that God, we can take care of in the cross. Because you might think, Darren, this is great. This is all theology, but man, I got an unruly teenager. I'm dealing with depression. All of it's at the cross, and we're going to talk about those next week. But for today, know that his love for you, his decisions for you, his provision for you, and his forgiveness of you is complete. It's perfect. Not a bone in his body was broken. And one of the best possible ways I know 
to remind ourselves of this is the miracle of communion. It's for us to go to the table. You might remember a story where Saul was out looking for his lost donkey or the King James Version. Oh, there's kids, never mind. But know that when Samuel found Saul, that he went and he said, we gotta go find my donkey. He said, no, 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 come to the table. And if you're worried about your, if you're worried about saving your own donkey, <laughs> go to the table and let God save your donkey. Because that's what happened. He went to the table. He had supper, the blood, the, the wine that would ultimately one day represent the blood and bread and, and God brought the donkey home. And so today, we've got communion available here, here, and over there. And here's what I would ask is, is John Micah, who's gratefully given up his Easter this morning for us, he just rolled out of the rack of a tour bus a couple hours ago, sings for us as a family, as individuals, that you go to the table this morning. And he's going to do a couple songs, so you've got time. You don't have to form a line. Just maybe as you see a table open and the Lord leads to go, take your time and go to the table this morning knowing that there is no break in his bone, no break in his forgiveness, his provision, his decisions or his love for you. That is what Easter tells me today. That he didn't just die on a Friday, he rose again on a Sunday, whole and complete. That not only in this life, but in the life to come, that we know that he's got our best interests in mind. You can read your books with the 10 steps, you can do your therapy, and it's all activity you can do on the bus, but understand that the bus, that the boat, that the plane, that's Jesus Christ. It's him crucified, it's him resurrected. And I would encourage you today, whatever else you were facing on the outside before you came in here, Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
We are so grateful that you came with, joined us today and uh, celebrated Easter with us. Um, my wife has asked me to remind you that ladies, is, uh, next week, this is uh, National Husbands Watch the Kids Day. And so you're going to go, uh, if you want to be a part of this little retreat for Sunday afternoon, to go to the table in the back and sign up in the lobby. Um, and, and we need to kind of get a count so we know how many people for dinner and stuff like that. So, uh, and then guys will meet at the bowling alley. I don't know what to, so, uh, anyway, um, that's next week. Um, I wanted to tell you this morning, I actually got an email from our, uh, accountant that we, uh, the, the, the total for Japan raised so far in the last month was $8,500 and some change. Um, that we're a church in motion. We've sent so far uh, this year, $17,000 to uh, Jock Mel Haiti. We're building schools for the kids. It's funny because I guess you can call it missions, but we're just doing the gospel. You know, it's almost like we, we separated in our society. There's missions and then there's the church. There's, there's no line in that. It's all the gospel. We got a guy in, in Togo, Africa that woke up this morning in a tent, an REI tent, not even a good one. Um, he was over there preaching the gospel in the middle of nowhere. Oh, did I, I'm not mean that disrespectful to REI, but... But I mean, it's not like one of those sultan tents, you know what I mean? Like there's nobody out there, there's not a eunuch with a fan or anything, it's just him. He's in a, he's in a tent on the floor. Because of the gospel, we <laughs> sent him $10,000 where we broke ground to build a school. And I say that to say that that's because we have a church that loves the Lord and loves what he's called us to be. And a reminder that, you know, we do have needs. We just do. And we don't communicate it a lot. Um, because we just trust that the Holy Spirit can speak to you. So you're not going to see me offering to give you what the jokey, what is it, the joke, the glow-in-the-dark statue of Jesus with a do, uh, posable arms and oil-dispensing hands. Like, you're not going to get one of those from us if you send your gift. Just know that God, <laughs> God's got your back on it. And we gr are grateful for the gifts that you've given us here, that we can do the work here and around the world. And, um, and we'll be giving a report in the coming weeks uh, specifically. I just want to let you know this morning that even though we're here this morning and comfortable on Easter in our little world, that our church is on the move around the globe and that lives are being changed in this community and the world around us. Thank you for that. God bless you guys. We want to send you off in a great way. We want to worship the Lord that was risen for you and I, that we might have life, that there might not be a break in his bones, that there's no break in the blood and the flow for us his love, his provisions, his decisions. As we worship this morning, oh, I do one more thing. If you're a visitor, I'm sorry, this is on me. I told you I didn't know what I was doing. Um, if you're a visitor, we do have a gift for you this morning. It's a little, it's kind of cool. There was a movie made by an organization here in town called the ACLJ, called The Export. It's, it's the truth about what's going on around the world in our own country. It's an amazing piece, and we were able to give that for free this morning to visitors. Church family will have copies for you next week as well. They just haven't come in yet. They're not finished. But if you're a visitor, would you raise your hand? And Mr. January from the Conduit Calendar, Swimsuit Calendar, Greg Swinford. We'll give you a card. Afterwards, if you go out to the table and uh, beautiful Angie will uh, smile at you and hand you a copy of that movie in exchange for that visitor's card, uh, we'd love to have a record of your visit for that. Uh, so as we worship, there'll be an offering bucket coming by you. That's a great way to worship the Lord. Uh, it's also great just to sing to him. So we encourage you to worship him this morning.